How are you? Good, good to see you this evening. Um, I like that, that, that casual rebranding of the Sunday Evening Social, the after party. Isn't that great? Uh, that makes it sound like a whole lot more fun. We should totally go with that um, and I encourage you to go to that. Uh, so uh, tonight what I, I want to do, we don't do this very often, maybe just once a year or so. Uh, we, we, rather than just preaching our way through the Bible as we tend to do week in, week out, we, we just take time to, to take a bit of stock and to think about uh, our past and also think into our future. And it's so important that we do that. Do you know in uh, Israelite history, they used to have this thing every year called the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was like their annual holidays. They used to get their tents out, they'd head out of Jerusalem, and they'd put up their tents with their kids, and they'd sleep the night and for a few nights. And it was their annual reminder of all the good things that God had done in their lives. And it's important for you and I to take stock of our lives and remind ourselves constantly of God's faithfulness to us and also to remind us that we're totally dependent on him for the future. Do you believe that about your life? You're dependent on him. I know I am. And uh, so what we're going to do before I start talking about some visionary thoughts around kings and our future, we're just going to spend a few minutes just looking at our last 12 months in terms of our finances as a charity. We have to report on our finances and this is encouraging stuff. Um, can you pass me that leaflet, please, Alan? Sorry. If uh, some of you are real kind of, um, you, you just love the detail of finance. Some of you will actually go home tonight and choose to look at spreadsheets on your computer. You just love kind of boxes and how things add up. There's a whole kind of uh, leaflet here for you to give you as much detail as you could ever, ever want about the finances of King's Church and the things God's been doing through that money. And... Um, but I'm just going to give you the overview now because some of you find this incredibly boring. Am I right? I mean, you're asleep already. You know, that's just how bad it is. So, okay. So, so just bear with me for a few minutes and here's some headlines. So in 2017, we had £383,000 of income. And of that, we needed to spend £382,682. Do you know the difference between those figures is 0.2%. Isn't that amazing? That tells us actually two really important things. One is this, that when Jesus said, your father knows your needs even before you ask him, that's true about our church as well. It's true that he knows all of our needs. He knows everything. There's 190 different people who give regularly to kings. And somehow God makes all of that add up to the right figure. Don't know how that works, but God's cleverer than me. And do you know he's got all of your finances wrapped up? I know some of you are under real pressure at the moment. But do you know he will always provide everything that you need. I've no idea why there's a 0.2% difference. I guess somebody forgot to put their expense claim in this year. Because God knows all of our needs. If we go for the next slide, please. So uh, of our income... You'll see that most of our income came from this thing we call tithes, which is regular giving that people uh, usually pay by standing order directly into the church bank account. So, for, so from your own income and from the Sunday morning people's incomes, they're paying into the church bank account and honoring God, often with something like a 10% figure or something around that to, to say, this is my worship to God and this is my heart towards this church community. 
And that is so, so brilliant. You'll see God has done so much through that money. You'll see a small amount comes through our offering uh, buckets, as Sandy calls them, on uh, our Sunday mornings and evenings. And we took up some special offerings a couple of times last year around Christmas for uh, Open Doors and for Bethany Christian Trust. You'll see if you're a taxpayer, it massively increases the effect of your giving if you give us permission to reclaim the tax you've already paid uh, at source on your, on your giving. Uh, you have to just tick a box for us and let us know if you need to do that. Uh, we, we charge ticket prices for some events and conferences that we ran and that raised that amount at the top there, £33,000. And we hired out our building when and where we could, which raised £13,000. If we go to the next slide, please. Uh, this is how we spent our money last year. This is the things we needed to do. The really encouraging theory thing here is that three quarters of this is spent on what you might call active ministry. Stuff that kind of promotes the gospel and helps people meet Jesus and builds the church. So you'll see we spent a large chunk on employment. We have uh, a full-time equivalent of 6.2 staff, three full-time elders, and 3.2 full-time uh, administrators, which are actually part-time. So there's, uh, we have people working part-time in administration, in graphics, in finance, um, in building management. And we have a part-time youth worker and a part-time student worker. Uh, we give away 10% of our income outside of Kings. So you'll see between giving and church planting, that's 10% of our figure. It was great to start our West Lothian church plant in September. Do you know they had their biggest meeting last Sunday? They had 100, over 100 people gathered to baptize three new Christian teenagers. Isn't that wonderful? And that's because we chose as a church, and you did, to sacrificially send them out to West Lothian to plant that church. And uh, we were able to give a lot of money away last year, which was exciting. We gave away to our family of churches, new ground to help plant new churches. We gave away to Bethany Christian Trust for their homeless shelter. We gave to evangelist Adrian Holloway. We gave to an anti-people trafficking charity. We gave to Edinburgh City Mission that runs the food banks of Edinburgh. We gave to church planting in the borders for Hope Church. We gave to a charity started by somebody in our church here called Life Seekers International, which provides mosquito nets and gospels for the Zambia. We gave away to the Open Doors Syrian Refugee Appeal and many, many more things. And God blessed us and enabled us to do that. So thank you for your contribution in giving towards all of those things. We then also spent money on other passions of ours. We spent money on evangelism and social action, caring for some of the poorest in our community. We, uh, we, we cared for all ages and stages of people. Our toddler group, King's Tots, has since it started in 2014, cared for over 140 families through its doors. Hub 104 regularly gets 25 kids every Friday afternoon from the local high school. We, at the end of last year, we launched the Evergreen Cafe for the elderly, where, where just some of the elderly in our community love to come and be pampered by some of our younger King's people and made to feel special and get a chance to be friends with one another. And that's going really, really well. We opened up our doors for rough sleepers for the Bethany Care Shelter and provided food for over 40 people every night for five nights during the last winter. Uh, we ran an alpha course and we... 
uh, ran a Freedom in Christ course and we ran a Paths of Discipleship program where over 40 people so far have either trained in that or been led through that, which really helps people in the foundations of their faith to know that they're a Christian and to help them get baptized. So God has been doing some great things there. Our Sundays cost money to be hospitable, to make this a place that's welcoming, where people can have a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a nice biscuit. We don't like to skimp and save on that stuff because it tells us all about the grace of God. Jesus didn't give us, give us a cheap welcome into the kingdom of God. He threw his arms open and he brought us right into his family. And we want to send that message to anybody who comes here, whether they're young, whether they're students, whether they're youth, whether they're kids. Uh, now, this is the bit that nobody likes to spend money on, okay? The last quarter. It's all the boring stuff. It's the building running costs. It's the building refurb. It's the loans and banking. It's the admin licensing and legal stuff. Who's excited about this? Yeah, not me either. But, okay, let me just give you a comparison. See, that, that looks like a lot of money. And we all say, oh, why do we have to spend money on that stuff? Here's why. Because when we used to rent a school hall on a Sunday morning... It cost us £15,000 a year to do that for two hours every Sunday. Edinburgh is an expensive place to rent. If we were to do two Sunday meetings, like we do now, that would cost us £30,000 a year just to rent a school hall for a day. Our office, which houses uh, nine people, if we were to rent that office space in this part of Edinburgh, that would cost us £30,000 a year just to rent because that's what you pay in Edinburgh. So if you're going to have a church in Edinburgh, you have to pay those sorts of figures. So we're up to about 60000 so far just for an office and a Sunday meeting venue. What we have here is something that gets used pretty much every day of the week. And God is using it for all sorts of brilliant things. It's for small groups, it's for toddler groups, it's for Hub 104, it's for uh, elderly groups. There's so much going on here, and God has blessed us with this resource. So I don't mind spending a bit of money for that, because compared with what we would pay, it's a wonderful blessing. So that tells you a bit about what uh, we've spent on. If just go to the next slide, please. This is how our, our income has grown over the last number of years, and that's been encouraging. It shows us that God's been with us year in, year out, helping us to grow, and we can be confident in him for the future. Uh, the, the last one on the right there, that's not a cigarette, just in case you were wondering. Um, that's, that's actually just broken down to show you something important. That is, when we sent out our West Lothian guys, over 30 of them, to go and plant that church, they they're ultimately going to become their own church with their own finances. At the moment, they give into the life of kings and we pay all their expenses, but that's going to be changing in the next few months. So that red bit at the top just represents the part of the giving that they currently give just to help us see how that's going to affect us. And you'll see that will leave us with a bit of a shortfall. So just want to help you to see that. There's another thing uh, that, that is changing for us, which um, also just... Uh, increases our expenditure for 2018 that you'll see, and it's this, that uh, we shared the news with you about a month ago that uh, I was taking on the lead eldership role from uh, Matthew. Matthew and Anne, they planted the church uh, 16 years ago, and uh, recently we decided it was time for, for Matthew to step back from that role. He's still part of the eldership team, but uh, I'm taking on that role. For me to be able to take on that role, what we realized as we talked about it as elders was that I used to do in my role previously all the things that Matthew wasn't 
uh, wasn't strong and gifted in because I found I was gifted in those things. With me moving into the lead elder role, there's some of those things I can no longer do, so I need other people to do those things. So when we looked around the elders' meetings and I said to Matthew and to Luke, I said, said well, who's, who's going to do this stuff so I can kind of step into this role? And they, they both just looked at the floor and they said, well, it's not, it's not us. So uh, the exciting thing is we believe Chris Rawson is that person He's not here tonight, but he's taking on uh, a lot of the stuff I was doing in terms of operational management, overseeing finances and uh, Sunday teams, all of those sorts of things. So he's doing a great job with that. I believe he'll actually do a much better job with it than me. And he's excited about that. For him to do that, we've had to employ Karis two days a week in order to do some of the tasks that Chris was already spending time doing. So that's increased our payroll slightly, but that's why 2018 has gone up. So the um, exciting thing is there that God is with us. Let me just say to you, if you give regularly to kings, then we're so thankful for that. I want to encourage you, God is with us, God is using your money, we're stewarding that, stewarding that wisely as best we can. And if you don't yet give to kings, then uh, we'd love you to be involved in this adventure, to add your faith and your generosity to ours to see what God will do. And uh, if this is your first Sunday at King's, then I'm sorry that you've landed it on Finance Sunday. Okay, so I think that's uh, all I need to say on that. Yeah, so why don't you just turn to somebody quickly and just, just, why don't you just rate it out of 10? Was it a good finance talk or not? Okay, just uh, see if it ticked your boxes or not. Won't ask you to show the uh, scorecards there. Um, Great. Well, thanks for bearing with us in that. Wow. Was that a one? (laughs) Okay. What I'd like to do now is just talk a little about, just some thoughts around vision and kings and our future together. And uh, if you're new here, I hope we can just involve you in uh, in this journey that we're on together. I want to talk about this idea of building a house for God and the kind of house that God is building here at King's, because the church, biblically, is the dwelling place for God on the earth. We were singing all about that earlier on, how lovely is your dwelling place. Sometimes we kind of imagine that to be just something ethereal in our head, but the dwelling place of God. When they wrote that psalm, Psalm 85, the, the sons of Korah, they were talking about the temple, the tabernacle. They were talking about a physical place which was a blessed place. It was a place where God lived. And the church is the place on planet Earth where people can meet with God. People talk about the seven wonders of the world. They talk about the Grand Canyon. They talk about the pyramids of Egypt. And you can go and see all these amazing places. But the most beautiful, amazing place on the Earth is the church of Jesus because it's where God can be found. It's where God can be met. It's where people who don't know him can find him. It's where Christians can find strength and help on the mission that God has called them to. But here's a word from Isaiah chapter 66. Because what you found is that temple that was built and stood in Jerusalem for many years. People began to take God for granted. And although its builder, Solomon, said heaven can't contain God, let alone this temple. Another generation, they came along and they were starting to, to feel like they'd, they had God in a can. They thought, well, we've got the temple, we've got God, that's all we need. 
And this is what God said to them in Isaiah 66. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me and where will my resting place be? And here's the word of warning from the Lord. He says, well, the moment you begin to think you've got God in a can, the moment you begin to get a bit presumptive and say, well, because we are the church or because we're the temple, we've got God. He says, you've got a problem. Because to be the dwelling place of God, you have to be dependent on God. And you have to be looking to him for the next step. And what you find is that the earth has a long history of God dwelling with human beings. You find it in Eden. He walked with the man and the woman in the garden. Then you find he he dwelt with the Israelites in the wilderness through the tabernacle. And they followed him around in the wilderness. And wherever God moved the the fiery, cloudy pillar, they would pack up the tent and they would follow him. And then they would build it wherever he stopped again. There was a flexibility. That became the temple, which was the mightiest building of its day. Jesus was the temple of God on the earth when he walked the earth in his human life. But he returned to heaven. And when he returned, he said, I will pour out my spirit. And at Pentecost, he poured out his spirit onto the church. And it's been with us ever since. And communities of believers all over the world, all over Edinburgh, all over Scotland. And now those temples, those places where God can be met, God can be experienced, God can be worshipped. Ephesians 2.22, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And here's what King's Church is. It's en route to becoming that. Once we were this, we're becoming that. The church is God's house. Now, Our nature as human beings is, particularly around churches, when we become part of a church, we fall in love with the church that we become a part of. And the danger is we cease to fall in love with the church that God is making us to be. And for you to be a Christian that moves in step with the Holy Spirit, it means this, not just loving kings for what it is or what it has been, but also loving it for the church it's called to be in the future. The danger is we can leave behind the voice of the one who is saying, I am making all things new. So looking ahead, it means this. It means that we have to be responsive to God changing us and sending people out and doing new things. But it's also important to say that we're built on very strong foundations. So we're built on the foundations of Jesus. That's what the Bible says. And because we're built on the foundations of Jesus, there's a lot of Christ-likeness in the foundations of the church of Jesus. And in this church, there's some things that we will never, ever move on from. And it's helpful just to restate what those are. One of those things is this, the grace of God. The grace of God. God's unconditional love for us in Jesus is never, ever going to go away from King's Church. Do you know, any blessing we've experienced in King's Church is never because of anything we've done. It's all because of his grace to us. And the good news about that is it stops us becoming a performance culture. It actually allows us to drop barriers with one another because we realize, well, God loves us. It's not what we do. We can be real with one another. Here's another thing 
that we, we, we value and will never go away. It's the word of God. We love the Bible. We love it. We, it it's God's supreme authority on everything for us. Here's another thing we love, the Holy Spirit. We love the Holy Spirit. We love his presence. We seek him. We enjoy him. When we worship, we expect him to come. We seek his gifts. We receive his gifts. We love every gift of the Holy Spirit, whether it's speaking in tongues or prophesying or healing, or whether it's one of those less talked about ones like helping or administration or mercy. Because we love the Holy Spirit and we want every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit and dependent upon him. Here's another value that we cherish dearly. It's relationship. Church isn't a meeting that you attend. It's a community you get to be a part of. It's the family of God. So when we gather together, we're seeing people who are becoming friends and allies and people who are with us on our journey forming deep friendships where we can be vulnerable and trust and show authenticity, whether that's here or in a small group. Here's another thing we love, have always loved, it's bringing people in. When this church started 16 years ago, there was 12 people in a living room in Pennycook. And I was so glad, because it, it, it was small and it was beautiful. But nobody ever said, small is beautiful. <laughs> Because actually there's a largeness in the heart of God which says, let's have some more people join us. Let's bring more people in. Let's add some more. And over many years now, God's been adding people to us. We've now got a Sunday morning, a Sunday evening. We've sent people out to West Lothian. And there's around 300 people who are now meeting in one of those gatherings. Because there's a spirit that wants to include and add people and here's the thing, we want all of those things, they're kind of like tires on a car. We want them to be fully pumped up all of the time. Nobody likes a flat tire. And we want, as we go forward, we want all of those values, grace, the word, the spirit, relationship, being on mission together, all of those things to be fully primed and pumped. So anyway, so that, that's just some of our foundations. But here's some things that we're passionate about as we're moving forward into this next season that we're throwing around as elders together. I want to bring you into our conversation and our thinking so that we can be on board with this together as a church. And I've got three things, and they've all got the word all in them, just to make it really nice and easy for you to remember. Here's the first one. We believe that God is calling kings to be a church for all people. A church for all. Now, already Kings is a highly diverse community. I think last time we counted, there was 35 different nationalities represented in Kings, which is a, a remarkable thing for the number of people that we have. And we increasingly have a, a, an age range and demographic that's growing, and that's wonderful. But we believe that God is speaking to us about this and saying, I want you to be an even fuller representation of the city that you're part of, and of all sorts of variety of people. Whether, and we want people at King's to come from all sorts of backgrounds, every age and every stage, every income category, young and old, children, youth, elderly, people who've come from highly privileged backgrounds and people who've come from, come from highly underprivileged and difficult backgrounds. And we want them to become friends together. Because we, we want kings to be a church for all people. There's a verse, uh, the Apostle Paul. Let me ask you a question. Apostle Paul, 
educated or non-educated? He was educated. And he was a Jew. He, in fact, he was probably the most educated Jew you could meet. And he said this amazing thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, I became all things to all people that by all possible means some might be saved. So here's what the Apostle Paul didn't say. He said, you know what, my mission is academic Jews like me. What he said was this. In fact, God didn't really call him to that category at all. He went to the whole Gentile world and he found anybody who didn't know Jesus and he said, I need to talk to you. Here's the heart that God's putting in us as a church to reach anybody, people who are very, very different to us. And I want to invite you into that journey. I love that on Pentecost, God found a way to communicate to all the languages gathered in Jerusalem on that day. He gave a gift of tongues that the people speaking it didn't understand so that people who didn't know the gospel could understand the gospel. God was in the business of making it easy for people to become Christians. And as a church, we want to make it easy for all people, whoever they are, to meet with Jesus and have a relationship with him. At the Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15, this was their conclusion. They said, we shouldn't make it difficult for the Gentiles to respond to God. So may God give King's Church the grace to be a church that when anybody comes in, they say, this is easy for me to connect here and easy for me to become a Christian here. Being a church for all means that sometimes we will seek out people different to us and make them feel welcome. Being a church for all means sometimes we'll sing songs that don't feel cool for us because they feel aimed at a younger person or an older person. But being a church for all means that sometimes. It means we don't always do the things that are our favourites. Being a church for all means sometimes we will enjoy one another's cultures. We had that brilliant Nigerian meal together a few months ago where we all got to eat jollof rice together. I've never eaten jollof rice before. But here's what we do. We experience and love because we're one in Christ. We grow in understanding and love for one another and that food was good. Here's another thing that we, uh, we do... Uh, to be a church for all. We aim to build shared experience in community to strengthen our unity in Christ. Because we're not just trying to promote diversity, we're promoting diversity and unity as well. So we're trying to build things together. There's just a change that we're feeling we, we're going to bring in the autumn to our uh, evening and morning services, and that's this, that we're going to, instead of having a different message morning and evening, we're recognising that we're actually getting a distinct crowd at both of those meetings now. I know some of you will come to both. But what we're feeling is this. We want to keep the whole thing joined up. So rather than having some people hearing one preach and other people hearing a different preach and then you go to small group and nobody quite knows which one to talk about because you're at different ones, what we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to have the same message, morning and evening. And the, the primary reason for that is to keep it joined up. It will obviously save us some preparation time as leaders but actually, to be honest, that's not the main motive because we love teaching, we love sharing about all the sort of things that the Bible teaches. But we do want to, to keep uh, building our commonality together. And the other thing, being a church for all means this. It means we must remove every obstacle that means we cannot be a church for all. 
So here's one really, really practical thing that we must, must do something about. And that's this, that when a disabled person comes to our building in a wheelchair, or when a parent comes with a pram, and they try and get in, and a kind steward will smile and say, hang on, we don't have any disabled access, but we'll give you a lift if you want. But for many people, that's an undignified experience. We send a very clear message to people, whether we like it or not. Even though we're, we're a church that loves people and we want to include... We send a message when, when we don't have a disabled access that says, we care a little bit less about you than we do for other people. So we feel to, to be a church for all, we need to remove that obstacle. Now, it's complicated. We've had planning permission refused in the past because the council loves our building and, and, and doesn't want it to change because it's a listed building. But we feel like we can do something temporary. We're going to fix it somehow in the short term in order to be able to get people in and out of this community here in our building. It's not about the building. It's about connecting people to this community. There was a lady who, uh, somebody told me, she, she was uh, one of our younger ladies who was involved in elderly befriending. She came to me after the carol service and she said, she said, I've got to tell you this, Dan. She said, we invited somebody along to the carol service and she came in her wheelchair and she couldn't get in. And she was good about it. She said, you know, I, I'm just going to go home. And she shared that story and she was deeply upset and and as she shared that, and I thought, we've got to do something about this. I wonder if you could partner with us in making this happen. Do you think we can? I think we can. I think it's important that we do. And we'll, I'll talk more about how we can do that a bit later on, because it will cost some money to do that. Here's the, the second thing. So we're going to be a church for all. Is that okay? Great. Here's the second thing we believe God's calling us to be, to be a church for all of Edinburgh. Okay? All of Edinburgh. We... When we moved to Edinburgh uh, 16 years ago to plant this church, we never had one particular area of the city in mind. In fact, we met at a school in Tollcross for a number of years. We then bought a building in the new town. And then seven years ago, we bought this building. And through the blessing of having this building, we were able to start a number of community initiatives out of this. And, and God really gave us a focus on this area for a season. And another blessing of that was that when people were beginning to choose where they were going to buy a flat or rent a flat, people began to say, oh, wouldn't it be cool to live near Kings? So we, we found just loads and loads of people started moving into this neighborhood or Polworth or just up the road. And before you knew it, there was a real buzz around this area, which was really exciting. I think one of the downsides of that was that perhaps if you didn't feel like you were in the zone, you felt like you were a bit of a periphery kind of Kings member. And that was uh, never something we, we intended with that. But we, we felt actually just recently God has been stirring us about this whole city again. You know, Edinburgh's not a big place. It's six miles from north to south and it's eight miles from east to west. Do you know if you were to run around it and you were Mo Farah, it would take two hours and six minutes to run right around the perimeter of Edinburgh. It's uh, exactly a marathon distance around it. So it's not a big place. Yet, being Edinburgh, it has this sort of fixation with itself that it changes its kind of locality every 100 metres. I live in a place called Greenbank. 100 metres down the road is Oxgangs and Collinton Mains. 100 metres the other way is Morningside. 100 metres the other way is Commerston. Edinburgh just seems to love changing its name every few metres. 
And it has this strong sense of locality, and this is the place I live. I think the church of Jesus needs to cross all of those boundaries. And that means us thinking, Edinburgh's not a big place, let's build further. We had a couple of prophetic words recently that really encouraged us to think about this. Uh, One Friday morning, we had a men's prayer time. And uh, I'm not good at Friday morning prayer. You're welcome to come along to men's prayer if you're a man. Uh, But um, women's prayer is on a Thursday morning, just if you'd like to go to to women's prayer. But uh, Friday mornings, I, 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 I never, you know, sometimes when you're praying and you never quite know if, if you're asleep or everybody else is asleep or whether that pause just means it's a deeply powerful Holy Spirit moment. And we were in a prayer meeting and I think I was concluding the former. I thought, gosh, this meeting's not going anywhere. This feels really quiet and I'm asleep. And I think, Anyway, Andy Wall, out of the silence, starts prophesying. And he says, I see a picture of New Haven Lighthouse. He said, in the north of Edinburgh in Grantham. And he said, and it's shining, and just like a lighthouse shines on places that can't be seen, it illuminates them. He said, I feel God is just shining his light across the north of Edinburgh and just showing places that have been in darkness for us as a church and we haven't thought about before. Suddenly I was awake. God was in the room. God was speaking to us. A couple of weeks later, somebody who wasn't in that meeting shared another picture, and they said, I see this picture of a map of Edinburgh, and there's a clock overlaid on it, and the time on the clock is three o'clock, and the hands are pointing to the north and to the east. And God is pointing to parts of the city that we've not seen before. God was saying the same thing from two different people in two different ways. Now, it's not just that part of the city we're interested. We're saying God is beginning to stir faith for the whole of our city, and that's really exciting. What does it mean? It means this. We want to see small groups that meet in places that aren't within a 200-meter radius of our building. We want to see small groups that are spread out right across our city. For that to happen, that means that if some of you are looking at moving house or renting or buying, you might want to think about where you live and start praying, God, where would you put us in this city? I know this area around here is unaffordable for many, but it could be that God directs you to another place. I'm not saying just pick a point on the map and just move there. I'm saying, talk to people. If you're a gatherer, why don't you talk to people and say, hey, how about a few of us move to this part of town? Or if if you've got a place that you could, uh, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, um, So let's be a church for all of Edinburgh. And I believe as we begin to reach some of these other areas, then God will also increase our diversity. Going back to the first point, I think God will enable us to reach different people than we reach at the moment. We want to be a church that reaches all of Edinburgh with its geography and into every home and every workplace and every school. Here's the third thing. It's this. So we're going to be a church for all. A church for all of Edinburgh. And then this one. A church where all of us are all in. Uh, I, I'm guessing there's not many gamblers in the room tonight, but there, there might be. But have you ever seen films like James Bond when, when they're so confident of their poker hand that they get all of their chips, their sort of millions of dollars, and they push them all into the center of the table and they say, I'm all in. What they're saying is, I'm so confident with what I've got in my hand here, I'm going to put everything on it. 
Now, Jesus went all in for us. That's the gospel. He, he laid down his life for us for the sake of his church, that we could be reconciled to God. And that's the gospel. That's a wonderful thing. Here's what he's doing in Christians. He's making us an all-in people. He's making us people who lay our lives down for him and for one another. And we believe God's calling us to be a church that is full of people who lay our lives down, full of disciples, full of people who don't just attend church, but who serve Jesus and follow him at every opportunity. And that takes some work. One of the, 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 the phrases you read in Acts chapter 2 about the early church, it says, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They'd been non-Christians a day before, but they got in a process of maturing themselves. Now, we have a few processes in place in Kings, and we want to strengthen some of those things. So a few months ago, Guy and Joslyn wrote a brilliant course for us called Paths of Disciples, and that's really helping a great number of people cross the line of initial faith and to get baptized. It's totally, totally brilliant. If you need something to do like that, then talk to me or talk to Guy and Joslyn afterwards. They'll happily hook you up with that. At the end, other end of the spectrum, we have uh, Academy, which is a leadership training program. If you imagine these are like, this is like an alphabet, maybe POD is your ABC, okay? And maybe Academy is your PQR. Maybe Freedom in Christ, which is another brilliant course. Maybe that's your DEF, of just getting you free from a few things to get you on with your Christian journey. Maybe experiencing and tasting, uh, serving and leadership within Kings. Maybe that's something else that develops you in another way. But there's some gaps there. And what some of our small groups say to us is, you know, small group leadership is... It's quite hard work. It's actually, it takes a lot of effort to run a meeting and to, to gather sort of quite a big number of people often and to try and keep tabs on everybody and follow them up and disciple them is, is, is a big, big ask. So what we'd love to do is to increase our resources. Something similar to the Paths of Disciple course where somebody who's a little bit more mature can meet with a couple of people who are wanting to grow in that area and talk about a subject that they're interested in. So it could be we have a little booklet, and it's called How to Discover Your Gifts in the Holy Spirit. And over three sessions, you might begin to understand who the Holy Spirit is, what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, how you can receive them, and just do it over a cake and a coffee and in relationship with a couple of people. It could be there's other things that people need to grow in, whether it's character or purity, or reading the Bible, or learning to pray, or how to lead, how to lead a small group. We believe we could fill in some of those FGHs, IJKs, LMNs, and we believe God is going to enable more of us to become all in and fully fledged disciples. So, does that sound good? So we're going to be a church, we want to be a church where all of us are all in, growing in that soil that Guy talked about early on. We want to be a church for all of Edinburgh, as well as sending people out to other cities and other nations. We want to be a church for all people, because that's the heart of God, and we want to represent his heart. 
So I want to encourage you tonight. We're going to wrap up in a moment. We're going to sing a song. I don't actually, guys, do you want to come and uh, join us? We'll sing in just a moment, just giving our hearts to God. Because actually, the primary response I'd love for you to make today is to just offer yourself to God. And I believe the best thing for any Christian to do with their life is to be a fully participating member of their local church and to serve wholeheartedly. But it could be that you want to make some kind of response tonight yourself. It could be when we talked about finance earlier, you might think, well, I don't actually give to kings at the moment. I'd love to invite you to begin that journey, to set up a standing order, to, to choose to say, I'm, I'm part of this. There's a, a verse in the book of Acts, uh, Luke wrote the book of Acts, but he wasn't a Christian when, uh, until a point halfway through Acts. He hadn't met the Apostle Paul. And there's a brilliant moment in the book of Acts where uh, up till that point, Luke is saying, Paul did this, Peter did that, the disciples went here, the disciples went there, the church grew there, Paul went to this place. And then the language changes and Luke says, and we went here and we got on the boats and we went to Crete because Luke became part of the journey. Today I want to invite you on the journey. I want to invite you into the partnership of what God has been doing to make this history your history and this future your future. And it starts with us giving our hearts to God. So it could be that you want to start giving financially. It could be that if you are giving, you want to increase your giving. In a few weeks' time, we're going to take up a special offering, a one-off offering, and we want to give to a number of projects which are on a larger scale. We want to give uh, particularly to the work of Newground, the first £5,000 of that offering to the work of church planting across Europe. We want to give another £5,000 of that offering to uh, a project called Sea Kenya, which Maria Sigston, who's one of our members here, she goes out there for a month every year. She's an optician. She helps people who can't see to have cataract, cataract and eye operations and to give them prescription lenses so that, people who, so that blind people can see. Sounds kind of biblical, doesn't it? It's a brilliant thing. We'd love to get behind that. We'd love to raise about £5,000 towards this disabled access idea that we have for this building to allow all people to have access to our community in this building. So I want you to think about that. We'll tell you more about that another week. But that's where we're going. That's what we're feeling. But right now, let's just spend some time just worshipping God, giving him our all, asking him to speak to us. Amen.